Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. We had a, a bit of a hiatus there. We were both uh, pretty busy. I, I guess we should introduce who we is. It's Jason Walker, along with my good buddy. You don't need to remind them who they are, who we are. If, I don't they, know, if they've been listening, I mean, for anyone <laughs> new, sure, yeah, I'm Trey Sanders, but come on. I mean, there are plenty you... of people that know who we are by now. You mean you don't? You mean you don't pick up a podcast and just randomly go to like episode fourteen or whatever we're on, just start listening, without knowing who the people are? I don't, I don't know. Well, okay. I mean, I'm sure that I'm, there's I'm plenty kidding, of people that do that, but I don't know. I'm if kidding. If I start, if I start something new, I'm going to start from the beginning. Yeah, that's true. So I guess, I don't if, know. yeah, it is true. If people are listening to this, they already know who we are. Um, obviously, but it's it's a formality, I guess. Just got to go through the motions. But anyway, that is true. There are yeah, rules in place. Definitely. Kind of like how I have to put the episode number on everyone, even though you could technically count. Of course, when you only have 14, it's easier to figure it out. But true. with with the most recent news, we're recording this just after the the Lakers game, the Jazz against the Lakers, where they won and they have officially clinched a playoff berth. It's felt like almost a guarantee for a probably a week or so, maybe. Ever since the Jazz managed to pop back up towards the four to five spot, but you know it was up until that up until the win, it wasn't a guarantee, and there was always the chance. And had the Jazz missed the playoffs, I honestly wouldn't have been too surprised, just because years of Jazz fandom has taught me that. But we did it. We finally clinched the playoffs. Yes, that hard, hard, hard work. Um, it's been a tale of seasons. Maybe even three, I guess. But yeah, no, it's awesome to see this and like this is like um, yeah, yeah. When Gordon left, it was like, oh shit. Well, we're probably not going to the playoffs. And then we got Donovan. We got excited, and then we had the brutal December, and it was just like, oh god, this is not good. Everyone was saying that the Jazz should tank. Then. And January happened, and we've been one of the best teams in the NBA since. Yeah, it is. It is just rather remarkable, and we'll get a little bit into you know with with Gordon Hayward leaving and all that. We'll get into a topic that will definitely pertain to later. But one thing with the Lakers game, Donovan Mitchell just continues to show off. I mean, there was one play for those watching. He had this. I was watching because he put on. He got like an outlet pass, and he went straight up the middle from from the defensive side under the offensive side. Started charging past all these players, and I was just thinking, no, 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 no. We'd had a ton of turnovers at that point, and I was thinking Donovan is going to lose the ball. It's going to be another turnover, and then he turns it into an assist. I think it was a Joe Ingles corner three after doing this nifty behind the back to free himself up, and it was just like it was just magical again. And yeah, that was a pretty sick play. Yeah. And the thing is that lately Donovan Mitchell has been very efficient because one thing that worried me a little bit or, well, I shouldn't say worry because I, I felt like he was sort of justified because he's a rookie, but he was consistently scoring 20 points per game, but he was also consistently taking more than 20 or at least 20 field goal attempts. He was barely averaging 
around one point per shot, which is not ideal. But the last three or four games, he's not taken 20 shots, and he's had 20 points. So it's like he's upping his efficiency by a lot. I mean, tonight he had 28 points on 18 shots, which is pretty darn good for him. I mean, at least, you know, for a rookie to be able to have that kind of efficiency, at least for any stretch of games, is really good. Yeah, no, he seems he seems a lot more focused on just the game at hand more than he is like not that he ever wasn't worrying about his teammates and like helping them out but I, I feel like he's just nestled into this nice um not he's not playing hero ball anymore yeah and I, I think tonight uh, again tonight he had uh, he really flirted with the triple double um he had the the 28 points he also had nine <laughs> rebounds and eight assists and I don't think he has any double doubles this year um I can't confirm that I'm I'm heading to the stats right now so maybe I I can confirm it in a moment I don't think he has but I mean eight assists so he was not only scoring but he was dishing the ball off and yeah so he's yeah he's not had a double double this year he's come close but not quite mm. but yeah I, I really do like your point where he's He's really settling into the NBA now. He's like 75 games in, I think, is how many he's played or thereabouts. He'll play 79. I think 77 is what he's played now. He's got two more games left, and he'll play 79 Oh, yeah, because he only games. missed like a few games. Yeah, he's. I think he'll end up missing three, assuming he doesn't miss any more. So, I mean, he'll have end up, ended up playing that many games, and he's, you know, he, he's settling in, and I think – that's why I'm fairly confident he'll do well in the playoffs. Now that we definitely know that we're going to be there. And I think he has a chance to be very successful as a rookie leader in the playoffs, which is something you don't really see. You don't see a team in the playoffs who is being led by a rookie. I mean, the Celtics are going to go in there. They have um, Jason Tatum, but he's not really the leader of that team, at least in terms of scoring. Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell is necessarily the outright leader of the Jazz because you have Rudy Gobert. Um, Ricky Rubio is obviously a, a pretty big part of the leadership um, and even the production as well. Um, but it's it'll be interesting to see what Donovan does in the playoffs just because he is a rookie and how big of a role he has with with the Jazz. Yeah, totally. I mean – you can argue the same thing for Ben Simmons too, but um, yeah. as we all know, he's not a true rookie. Um, but no, it's 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 really nice. Like it's been really really cool to watch Donovan just kind of evolve and do these different things day night in and night out. And now that he's like found this this um, good spot with his game going into the playoffs, I mean, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a I mean, not to say he hasn't been mature, but an even more mature player in the playoff. Yeah, yeah, it definitely will be crazy to see. And I, one thing that I thought was interesting, because, you know, for a real good stretch there in March, he was really struggling from the three-point line. And I think one of the things he did is he he responded to that by getting to the free-throw line more often. I mean, just in the last few games, I mean, he had 10 free-throws against Memphis a while back. Uh, he didn't have any against Minnesota, which kind of surprised me. But then he had four against the Lakers, eight against the Clippers, and then he had ten again tonight. 
So I think he's responding with aggressiveness, and he hasn't been chucking up as many three-pointers. He's still shooting quite a few as that's as part of his game as he gets his shots, but I think he's learning to find which shots he needs to be taking because uh, that's one of the things that he's had to work on is his shot selection uh, this yeah. year. And, and that was something in the summer league that he struggled with. But now he's beginning to get into his groove a little bit to where he knows which shots he can take, which shots he can't, when to pass out and all that. And so he's doing really well. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think this is the strength of his game is penetrating inside of the defense, getting them to collapse so that it leaves one person open. And he's got great vision so that when he knows when that one person is open, sometimes he still, you know, makes some boneheaded mistakes. But I mean, that's any player still. Yeah, and I, I think that'll be just one thing that he'll definitely need to work on in the offseason. And that's just the craziest thing is you think how good he is now. But you think there are so many different ways that, you know, if we really went down and broke down Donovan Mitchell's game, we could find a lot of things that he needs to improve on. And the minute he improves on those, he becomes 25 point, 28 point per game kind of player, averaging maybe somewhere in the range of three to five assists and rebounds. And he's right. an all-star, all-NBA type kind of player. It's just insane. He's only 21, and we're already trying to nitpick his game of, oh, he occasionally doesn't take the right shots. Again, it's just absolutely amazing <laughs> how much we have to nitpick at his game to find something that's wrong. Um, well, for sure. And, I mean, this bleeds over with Dante Exum. I have to bring him up. Like, Dante great since he came back from injury. Like, Really good. Yeah, I I have been. It has been an absolute revelation what Dante Exum has been doing. It's just seeing him. Just it's a completely different player. Because you know, I remember going back. If you ignore the summer league, you go back to a while back, especially his rookie year. He'd sit out on the three point line and shoot corner threes or maybe some wing threes. Like you look at his rookie highlight tape, it's three layups or, you know, a handful of layups and a bunch of three-point shots. You know, well over half of his shots, I, I believe, if I remember the stats right, were three-pointers. And now he's almost gone and done a complete U-turn on that philosophy where now it's almost to a fault where he's dribbling in and he's almost getting himself into trouble in the paint where he's not able to finish right and, you know, ends up with a turnover or something, but he's just been so aggressive. And I just love watching this version of Dante Exum who knows that he has such a unique skill set and such an unstoppable, you know, body type and, uh, you know, athleticism. And he, he knows that and he knows that he can use that. And at this point, it's really just him figuring out the particulars of using it. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see just how awesome this trend, like, it's 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 just weird how, how you know Rudy Gobert gets injured two different times in, in in during this season, and then the second time he comes back, it's like in a completely new team. And then we get Dante Exum back, and now it's a completely different team again. Um, and I just like we've had all these different things happening, and just to watch Dante Exum's um, like how how quick he is going to the paint, man. I. He's got that long stride, that first step that is so deadly, and he's getting so good at it. Yeah, it is. It is nuts just seeing him where there's there's nobody 
that can stay in front of him. When he puts his head down, no, there's there's not a player who can get in front of him. Yeah, I mean he's he is built specifically for slashing to the rim, and man, does he just he kills it when he's going when he's getting a little head of steam there, and he gets that first his first defender off of him. The defense doesn't have enough time to react because by then he's already at the rim. Yeah, he. Teams are really going to have to adjust, and I think, you know, in the playoffs, they're definitely going to have to do that because Exum is starting to be able to create some spark off the bench. You know, he's not necessarily putting up huge numbers. I mean, he's only averaging, I mean, tonight he had six points. You know, he's only averaging, what, 8.7 points off the bench, but they can come in key stretches, and he can really get going, and he's been really efficient, then he draws fouls. I mean, he's at, he's getting to the line tonight. He had four free throws, and he, he just forces, like you say, you, you force the players on their heels. They can't keep up with him. The help defense doesn't get there fast enough because they don't realize how fast Exum is, and then they end up fouling him because they've got no other choice. They can't stop him, or they just right. have to hope he misses or something. So... Right. Well, you can't you can't go without saying that um, his, how he helps solidify the defense too, because he's he's long and he's very quick. I mean, Clippers game he blocked a seven foot three Boban Banjanovic or however you say his name. I mean that's insane. <laughs> the guy's bigger and longer than Rudy Gobert, and Dante Exum got up and blocked him. Yeah, it, it is insane, and I definitely agree with you. It's yeah, I, I'm not sure how I managed to forget his defensive impact, because you know when you see the opposing player and Dante's guarding him, I think, well, that guy's sufficiently covered. We're good. Right, but you couldn't say that even last year, like even in the playoffs last year when he started getting a little bit of a stride into his game, he still wasn't reliable on defense. He still has some. He still has some improvements to do, but. It, he just looks like a much more mature player. Like he understands things a lot better. Um, and it's good to see that, you know, all that time that he was out, he was spending his time studying. Yeah. And I think that's huge. And I think that's definitely helped him in that he didn't really have that rough of a transition. I mean, his debut game, he had 10 points, I think three, two assists, three rebounds, just one turnover. In right, because you can't scout for him. You're just like, oh wait, Dante Exum's back. Crap, we didn't look at him. <laughs> it's, it's probably the first guy who had to guard him. Was like, dang, son, this guy's fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, there was there was actually one play that it was just another one of those just those dang plays where it's like, holy cow, this kid's fast because the ball was going out of bounds, and I was just writing it off as well. There's a turnover for the Jazz because it had gone. Or I don't know if it was a turnover, but it was going off on the Jazz. But Dante Exum rushes over from probably eight or ten feet away, suddenly grabs the ball and hucks it into the – I think the Jazz were on offense. He hucked it back into, like, kind of the backcourt area. And the Jazz got the ball back. Oh, and yeah, I, was, I know I, I know what play you're talking about. Yeah, I was just like, – it was completely written off that it was going out of bounds. And suddenly Dante Exum's got the ball and throwing it into the backcourt, saving it, giving the Jazz another chance on offense. They ended up missing the shot. But, you know, it was, it was another opportunity – just based on how insanely fast he is. So it, I, I, I'm just so excited. I've, I've, I'm pretty sure 
everyone I talk to Dante Exum about thinks I'm weird because I'm obsessing over this guy who has averaged like 15 minutes per game and, you know, missed more games than he's played in this year or in his career. True. Yeah. No, I, and I get that. But I mean, you and a few others, I mean, there's still plenty of people. Jazz staff, number one, the Jazz staff has seen the, the tremendous upside that they can get out of him. And um, now that he's back and God only hopes that he doesn't get injured again. But um, I think that going forward, he's still, I think the Jazz will keep him. I think they'll, they will keep him on the roster because they see that upside and they see now, especially with the, the role that the Jazz have been on, um, in the last 35 games is, I mean, it only bolsters your roster. Yeah. If, if he ends up leaving, then I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might just, I'll think for about five seconds about quitting being a jazz fan. Then I'll, I'll quickly come back because uh, of Donovan and Rudy Gobert. But yeah, I, I think I'm surprised you went there right now. <laughs> that's, that's why I think so. That's why I say I'm that obsessed with, with Dante Exum. I'm that much on his hype train that I I think why would you you know why would you let him go unless like because like we're not in any serious caps uh, you know trouble this off season. Oh, but, we're in such good shape in the in the off season. It's not even funny. Yeah, so we'll be fine there. But anyway, kind of back to Dante. Just I do think that he'll play a major role in the playoffs, assuming he doesn't like completely fall off in efficiency or anything like that. Because we talked about this a, a couple episodes back, or maybe last episode or something like that, where the, the bench has been struggling on offense. They've been fairly inconsistent against the Lakers. They did pretty well. Uh, Crowder and, and Royce O'Neal had a rare offensive, uh, good offensive game, and Jay Crowder did above average for himself. But generally, we're not getting that much from our bench on offense, and Dante Exum, they're able to put him in, bring rookie and uh, Ricky and Don Donovan, yeah, I, I mix everybody's names up now. <laughs> Ricky and Donovan out. They bring him out, put Dante Exum in, give him control of the offense, and he's able to make something out of nothing. I mean, you brought up Donovan like being able to break down the defense. That's what Dante does. He's able to do it by himself, which is such a valuable skill for an NBA player to have. And that's one of the many reasons that I'm excited about Dante um, going forward. Yeah, totally. He's he's going to be invaluable in the playoffs. And it's like, what perfect timing to get the team back to full health, too. Like, Neto was available tonight, but we didn't need him. Yeah, and it, it's kind of a shame because a lot of Jazz fans really love Ron Neto. I'm not quite on that that hype train just because I've not been – and I don't always feel as uh, secure with him on the floor. I feel like we're playing four on five on offense sometimes. But I can see that, but he he is he he is a positive. He I mean he's never really in the negatives when he plays. Yeah, and that that's the thing that it surprises me is that when I see him, I feel like he's not a positive, but the numbers say he is. So really, it's just apparently my eyes need fixing. So <laughs> it, no, I mean I get you though. I mean because now we've got Exum back, so he basically becomes the third string point guard, um, especially with the way Dante's been playing and. In all reality, I would take Neto over David Stockton any day of the week. I know that it's it's cool that his son is playing for the Jazz, like woohoo! But 
the dude is 5'11", and he's like, I really hope that I never hear anybody say this because I might have to slap them in the face. But it's Stockton 2.0. That guy will never be as good as his dad. Never. Like, it's not the second coming of, of Christ here. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, you can definitely see he's not his, he's not as good as his dad. He's the same type of player. I know there's one play in the, you know, I think it was the Clippers game he got in. And he made a play that made me think of, you know, vintage John Stockton. It was a, it was a pass. It should have been an assist, but the guy missed the shot. But I was like, hey, he's, he's pretty good, at least at passing. But like I said, he's 5'11", doesn't have the NBA body, um, and doesn't have the skills of John Stockton to make up for it. Because, I mean, if you think about it, John Stockton was not much taller than 5'11". He was listed as six foot. Um, John but Stockton obvi- was six one. Oh, he! I don't think he was six one. <laughs> yeah, he's six one. Was he? Okay, maybe whatever. He's not. He's not that much taller. He's he's a <laughs> no, short guy. but he's he's, he's not five sh- eleven. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, but John was uh, obviously uh, quicker, better, probably a little stronger, and obviously played in a completely different era where speed didn't mean quite as much. Players weren't quite as fast, or at least. You know, there weren't as many fast players. Right. Yeah, that was the Powerball days. Yeah. So I I do agree that you know it is really cool to see David out there, because um, I mean he even looks like his dad quite a bit. But yeah, he's he's not necessarily an NBA talent. He's you know he's bench fodder. He's a human victory cigar basically. Um, with, which he's, is, he's he's nostalgia. Yeah, that's basically what he is for the Jazz, and I have a feeling that's kind of why they signed him, or at least play, definitely played a factor into why they signed him. Um, and I don't know if that's why they signed him the rest of the season. Uh, I that kind of confused me. I was getting ready to, I was getting ready for them to to not re-sign him, and then they signed him not only to another ten day ten day contract, they signed him for the rest of the season. Right. I mean, yeah. No. That that's a little surprising. So, maybe it's just to have him on the playoff roster. Maybe they're. Yeah, it's probably like collateral damage. <laughs> maybe if maybe Neto's hurt more than we think, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But one thing I did want to get into, um, since we've rambled on enough about uh, Donovan and Dante, want to talk about. The Utah Jazz offense, and this is kind of where we get back to what I said about Gordon Hayward, because one of the the thoughts I had earlier today, actually, was this Jazz team had no business being as good on offense as they are when you really break it down. Because over the summer, we were, you know, after July 4th and after Hill, I can't remember exactly when we figured out the Hill was definitely gone. Now, I can't remember when he signed with the Kings, but or I guess we traded for Ricky, so that was when we figured that out. But yeah, um, when Hayward left, it was like, all right, this offense could really struggle. And when you look at it, I went back and I looked at the top five scores from last year uh, in terms of total points, not, not points per game. But it was Gordon Hayward, in order, it was Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert, George Hill, Rodney Hood, and Joe Johnson. Those five contributed 
60 about 61 percent of utah's offense um in in terms of total points only one of those players is still on the jazz and and those five players this year have only actually contributed 19 percent of the scoring And, Hmm. and so we lost like so much offense and yet we're essentially on par with last year's offense. Like the, the offense from last year is better than this year. Objectively, you know, you go through the stats, better offensive rating, generally better field goal percentage, things like that. We've scored more Mm -hmm. points this year, but we've had a quicker pace, Mm -hmm. but really last year's offense was better, but not by much. And that's the amazing thing. I mean, just, I mean, I don't want to get your thoughts on this, Trey. Like, how crazy is it, like, how good this offense has been minus essentially most of the good scoring we had last year? Um, honestly, that, that that's by design. Um, the Quinn's system totally revolves around the team aspect. It's all about the ball movement. It's all about getting the best shot available taking what the defense gives you and taking that shot. Now, beginning of the year, Jazz were not that good offensively. Um, December sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, the offense was dreadful. It was awful. We had a good offensive rating, but it was still like, I mean, we were missing more than we were making in that stretch. But the whole, the, the offense being objectively better than last year it's no surprise to me because um i mean you look at ricky rubio he like i can't remember what game it was but everything clicked for him everything like he understood the system he understood what he was supposed to do he has more freedom i mean we always were terrified that he was shooting and now it's like ricky's got that um and ricky's even said this is the best season of his career um which is obvious um but yeah it's it's all about the system and the fact that that everyone is bought into that system offensively and defensively it doesn't surprise me at all yeah one thing on ricky rubio uh i saw something to the effect of this on the jazz broadcast and i kind of went back and dug a little bit into it um since the start of february ricky rubio he's averaging 16.4 points 6.4 assists 5.2 rebounds and he's shooting 44 percent from three yeah, um, and he's the he's the only player, literally the only player in the NBA in that s- stretch, averaging all those numbers while also averaging fewer than three turnovers. There's a couple of players averaging that that have more than that have at least three turnovers. It's uh, Nikola Jotic and uh, Tyreek Evans, I believe. So, and that kind of is the weird thing. Like you said, Ricky Ricky had it click with him. He definitely had to learn a lot. Because he is not the same player that he for was sure. last year, it, and it, for sure, and it, he played for what was it, five different coaches over five years before he was traded to the or to the Jazz. <laughs> like he never had a system that he could really like buy into because it was always like you're not shooting the ball, you're just going to be the distributor and the defender. Now he comes to Utah and Quinn's like you're going to shoot more. Yeah, and I wonder how much. Uh the Jazz have been able to maybe cure a little bit of Ricky Rubio's shot. And 
And I, I'm still not sold that Ricky Rubio can be a good shooter long-term because he's had stretches like this before. I um, mean, last year he had a stretch of really good shooting. But, I mean, this year he is he is essentially doing the same things that George Hill was doing. And I, so I think it's definitely part of the, the system, but Ricky Rubio has managed to fill in and provide a lot more scoring offense than we thought we were going to get and is totally. managing is managing to be efficient which which is again the surprising thing cuz nobody expected offensive efficiency uh, from Ricky Rubio or really from a whole lot of players on the Jazz which is you know crazy to think we've managed to be efficient without the talent that we had last year so to speak yeah so. yeah uh, yeah, I mean, it's it also helps that everyone in the locker room really just wants each other to succeed, too. I mean, that that mentality that Quinn Snyder has and how he wants to run his offense and his defense, that's bled over into the locker room. I mean, I listened to so many post-game interviews um, where you just hear players in the background just giving each other crap, laughing, having a good time, and then they're getting it they're they're interrupting these interviews, just giving that guy crap. And it's just like it, it, it has become so contagious that everyone believes in what they're doing. They believe in each other. And I think that's why we're seeing what we are. Yeah, definitely. I guess that that can't be, I think, uh, overstated, just the, the chemistry we're seeing from this team. I mean, we bring up Jay Crowder, who was in the, the crap show that is the Cleveland the Cavaliers locker room. And he comes the to Utah. The LeBron show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mix those two up sometimes. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, but, yeah, the that, that, that chemistry that they have, definitely, you see their, their banter on Twitter or Instagram or whatever other social media where they're just having fun with each other. So, definitely, I, I think you're definitely right with that. And that'll probably play a big role in the playoffs because they're, they're going to have to really rely on each other in in the playoffs to, you know, do their job, do everything, you know, continue to play that great defense. And then also, you know, the biggest worry is not being able to produce on offense. We know the Jazz defense is always going to be there. It's it's going to be how much can that chemistry play into their, their offense, and that will be the biggest question of the playoffs. Oh, totally. The playoffs have literally, like – Everything starts over in the playoffs, and the stakes go even higher. Um, Ricky Rubio's never been to the playoffs, so I'm really I'm going to be looking at how he's going to react to this. I don't see it going south by any means, but um, he's going to get punched in the face a few times, um, figuratively, hopefully not literally, um, with just how high the stakes really are. Um, and so that's going to be a test of really where where he feels he is in his in this season. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I feel like he's primed and ready. I think that this season has really just prepared him for what's about to happen. Um, Rudy, he's been wanting to get back there forever um, since last year after the he went out twice in the Clippers series. He wants to be back there bad. Favors, uh, he's going to be an anchor. I, I just... I look at this like I don't want to keep going and going with like each player, but I just see like this playoff run being a really good thing for this team. 
we're not going to go to the finals. Um, crazier things have happened. It's possible, but not necessarily going to happen. But going forward, man, I just I think about like the next two three years for this team, and it's just going to be really really awesome ride. You know, you say the Jazz probably aren't going to make the finals, and I, I definitely agree with that. But I mean, if they play the way they've played, they have the second best record in the league since you know that that loss to Atlanta back in January. They have the best point differential. So if that's the team that shows up in the playoffs, they'll be a threat. Now, oh yeah. Granted, the regular season is very different from the playoffs. So even if that team stays there, that's no guarantee that they could beat the playoff versions of the Golden State Warriors. And assuming for a moment that Chris Paul and um, James Harden get their heads out of their butts in terms of their playoff success, then maybe, you know, the Rockets might be a challenge too. But maybe if the Jazz end up facing the Rockets in the second round, which could be a possibility, that that'd be assuming the Jazz win in the first round. But if the Jazz were to end up facing the Rockets in the second round, maybe they could hope that Chris Paul and James Harden still don't know how to get out of the get out of the second round um at least by themselves but um one thing i did want to bring up kind of going back to the offense is again like there there are a lot of very deserving candidates for coach of the year but i i still think that that quinn snyder really needs to be getting a lot more consideration than i've heard because, again, it, it does come back to this offense where he did so much with so little. Because he wasn't the only coach that had to deal with a, a loss of an all-star or a great player. Because uh, there were seven all-stars, and then you throw in Chris Paul, so you've got eight all-star caliber players who left their team uh, you know, to go somewhere else. And really, when you look at, when you really break it down, Quinn Snyder has done the best with what he's managed to get back. Because some of those teams, you look at Cleveland and Boston and um, Indiana, they all either had all-stars or, you know, brought someone back. Like the Pacers got Victor Oladipo, who broke out. And, you know, Cavaliers in Boston, they obviously had people. And then the Clippers, they lost Chris Paul, but they also got the the scoring, the bench scoring phenomenon of uh, Lou Williams back. But you, you look at the other teams like Chicago, Atlanta, New York, and the Jazz, they didn't really bring in anybody to replace their all-star. Yet Utah is the only team that's actually been competent on offense this year. Which, again, it's just it's just amazing to me what Quinn Snyder's been able to do. So again, we'll, we'll give another plug for... Uh, coach of the year for uh, Quinn Snyder oh yeah uh, the, the work that he has done um, the work that his coaches have helped him accomplish is like it has to be at at least top three in consideration for coach of the year absolutely uh, he doesn't have like he's got a star in Donovan Mitchell, that's no secret. He has the best defender in the NBA in Rudy Gobert. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like the it's like the Rockets. They they were pretty good last year. Um, and then they went and got Chris Paul, and now all of a sudden we're going to give Mike D'Antoni the, well, I'm not saying he'll get it, but he's top candidate for Coach of the Year, all because he got another superstar. I don't think that's fair. 
Um, Dwayne Casey, I I think Dwayne Casey will beat Quinn Snyder out by a, by a few votes only because of the stuff that he's accomplished this year. Um, and, I mean, he essentially changed the way they play offense. But, I mean, you think about all the adversity Quinn Snyder has gone through this year with the injuries, the brutal, brutal December, and the bounce back that followed in the way that he's got this team clicking right now, I, he's got to be he's got to be a favorite. He has to be. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think Mike D'Antoni should win it at all. Like he he was handed, you know, a royal flush in terms of a roster, and I think Dwayne Casey definitely is the guy who could deliver because he's gotten more out of that roster, seemingly out of nothing. You know, this is the same Raptors team that's been finishing short every year, and now it seems like they actually we're talking that this team could actually go to the finals. I think another deserving coach is maybe Brad Stevens, just because he's been able to do a lot, despite the fact that he's had to deal with a lot of injuries. Um, but the Celtics have also played like the eighth easiest schedule in the league, so it's he's he's had a bit of an easier schedule. But yeah, Quinn Snyder, one of the worst schedule stretches I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> combined with injuries and the roster that he got handed. He got handed it and said, you know, here, the rookie's going to be your leading scorer. Good luck. And uh, he's done it. He's yeah. he's taken this team that could be the third seed in the West. Like, just imagine that. Imagine we wouldn't have been too surprised if we ended up with, like, the eighth spot in the lottery this year. Like, that was conceivable a few months back. We're looking, right. at, we're looking at potentially if we win our next game against the Warriors, we're looking at a showdown with Portland for the third seed. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, just we we can chew on that for a few days now, and until that that Warriors game, we'll, we knowing our luck, we'll probably end up losing it, and we'll just stay in the fourth seed, or worse, if we lose against Portland, we could tumble even further. Will we though? Because Golden State's been losing a lot. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not terribly, I'm I'm not thinking it's like an unwinnable game, but I'm just again. Harkening back to Jazz experience, they'll somehow manage to to drop it. But they could. I mean, we're two and zero against the Warriors this year. Might as well make it three. We're, are we two and zero? No, we're two and one. Two and one. I thought we only play them three times. No, nah, we played them three times last year. This this will be the fourth time this year. Oh, you're right, because we lost them by like thirty one time. Yeah, and then we got revenge. Yeah. Twice. I must have repressed that memory. So <laughs> yeah, well, I don't blame you. Those are one of those losses you just really try, just try to push out of the brain. Yeah. Well, I mean, we won by 19 and we also won by 30, so maybe yeah. we can win by 40 this time. I you would know? be okay with this. <laughs> yeah, so um I I guess that'll about do it uh for today i don't have too much else to bring up just the fact that i'm so excited that we're gonna be back in the playoffs i don't i forgot if i i don't think i mentioned this but this is the first time uh that we've made the playoffs in back-to-back years since essentially the darren williams carlos bruiser era there was there was we made it four straight years from like 2006 2010 and we haven't been in back-to-back years since then (laughs) so it, it it's really nice 
to think that not only did we essentially skip another rebuild that, you know, whatever rebuild we were trying to do is it feels like it's over. You know, sure there's going to be roster building, there's always roster building. But we're back in the heat of, you know, contending for not like the 7th or 8th seed. We're contending for the 3rd seed being the 3rd best team in the Western Conference. So, yeah, this is just an insane turnaround. I do want to I do want to um say that um what's his Dennis Lindsay should be executive of the year. Yes. <laughs> uh, like the fact that he he himself and the rest of his management team didn't panic. They got the pieces that they needed. They traded up for Donovan. They went out and found Royce O'Neal. Um, I mean, holy cow. You, I feel like it should be coach of the year, executive of the year, defensive player of the year at the very least. Yeah. Like, <sighs> you, you can make such a good case for those three. And yeah. well, at, at best, I think really the only one that anybody's really going to consider the Jazz for is defensive player of the year. And knowing our luck, they're just going to say, well, he didn't play enough games. We won't give it to him. Right. Um, which is unfortunate because, I mean, he's he's only going to be like two games short of being able to qualify for the per-game leaderboards, which might be where people are saying he'd have to at least play like 58 or 60 games, which I don't know. It's obvious to everyone with the brain that he's the best defensive player in the league – or yeah, in the league – and he's leading the Jazz in win shares, despite the fact that he's played fifty something games. You know. Yeah. And then, uh, did you see the um, the website Jazz PR put up for Donovan Mitchell? No, I want to say I might have vaguely heard about it, but I don't think so. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna look up the Rudy Gobert website. I'm sure that it's there, but um, if you go to Donovan Mitchell ROI. Dot com jazz pr put up this whole thing of just their plea their their formal um invitation to vote for donovan mitchell for rookie of the year and i want to see let's do uh rudy go bear dpoy.com it's probably a thing it's got to be a thing maybe it's left over yep, from last year there it year. is yeah, so go to Donovan Mitchell ROI.com and Rudy Gobert DPOI.com for that stuff because um, you can't argue with what they put out for us to to look at. <laughs> so, well, ho- hopefully we get at least one of those. Like we're up for four awards. We're gonna where we're gonna be in the top three. You know, Mitchell's probably gonna finish second rookie of the year. Rudy Gobert will only finish second or third if there are people who think he didn't play enough games, and people will just ignore Coach Snyder because whatever. He'll probably finish like fifth or fourth, or however many coaches we named. And then Dennis if they, Lindsay. If they slip that far down, I will I will start slapping people. <laughs> well, go find those voters. I, I forget who votes. It's probably just the Associated Press or whatever. Or just yeah, different, it's, different it's mostly the media. Which is a real shame because, like, some of these media, sometimes you get to the point where, like, they're just voting for their guy like it happens in the Heisman race, which... Oh, yeah. 
That, that's why I don't care about the Heisman anymore. Um, yeah, it's all biased. Yeah, and <sighs> we don't need to get too much into that. But yeah, we'll we'll see how the the awards go. We'll probably. <laughs> I I'm just not, I'm just preparing myself to not be surprised when we take home nothing this year. So. Mm, yeah. But if if we end up with you know the the slam dunk trophy and a division title, I think I'll be good. I'll be good. Yeah, we were, that would we were, be pretty awesome. We were dead last in the division. We have a chance. We went out. We're the division champs. Or yeah. Yeah. All right, but that is going to do it for us here on hashtag Jazz. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next Sunday. We'll be back on our regular posting schedule i guess i post these like on really early monday morning so i guess next monday but anyway thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you next week